The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we recap my epic Disney land and sea vacation from this past February. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast and receive bonus content like live trip reports, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDecipher. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. Let me do all the hard work for you so you can focus on having fun. If you have any questions, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com. Tweet at us at WWDeciphered on Twitter or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So I am back from a long 10-day vacation. Did not touch a single editing button for those 10 days. Didn't get away with not working at all, but mainly didn't work. Uh, and so it is going to be, we're going to spread it out, but this is going to be a lot of content folks. Cause this was my one family trip of the year. I already dropped like 80 minutes of content for our Patreon supporters. I was like adding up how much it was about. So, uh, if you aren't on our Patreon yet, you can hear that was like the raw version. And Leslie, I don't know. I found it was, it was a very long trip and I found doing those Patreon recordings, cathartic almost, just like debriefing <laughs> what happened like every single day. Yeah, no, it was fun to listen to. Uh, it was kind of like the Dickens books of old, the serials where you get you know bits at a time and you're like, what's going to happen next? Like, how is tomorrow going to go? Are they going to redeem a bad day or are they going to you know follow a, a good day with a, with a bad day? So anyway, it was uh, great to follow along and definitely lots of quality and quantity of content. Speaking of content, just a quick reminder that we are on YouTube now, so you can find us at youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. We'd really appreciate it if you could like and subscribe to our channel there. You can find all of Leslie's writing at tripswithtikes.com. You can find Leslie at tripswithtikes on social media and myself at As Joe Flies. And of course, if you're planning a Disney vacation, you can use me as your travel agent, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net, and I'd be happy to help you out. And also speaking of Patreon, Leslie, we have a few new patrons to thank this week, right? This week we are thanking Janine C. and Emma S. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. If you want to support as well, you can go to patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered and we'll add you to our private Facebook group and you'll get all sorts of this bonus content because we have more coming because I have a Disney cruise coming up in April and so there's just going to be more coming. Very excited. Leslie's finally going to do it four years after she originally booked the original one she was supposed to go on. So 
originally wasn't going to do like a trip report type trip report, but so much stuff happened on this trip. We will tease all the other episodes that are going to come out after this based on what happened on the trip. We will do that as we are talking. Leslie, so pop quiz for you. I don't know if you looked at the notes too long before we started recording, but basic outline of the trip. Where did I stay? What cruise did I take? Here's your pop quiz. What's the general outline of the trip? And it doesn't have to be detailed because, you know, this is going to be a long trip report. Sure. So I saw this note like five minutes ago and I was like, I'm going to fail this test. Generally speaking, I know the broad scope of your vacation. You started at Walt Disney World for what, about four days, four or five days, and then headed to Miami where you took a Disney cruise, which was a four night cruise. So I know like the the basic building blocks in terms of where you stayed I think you were either at Beach and Yacht, and I can't remember uh, which of those two you were staying in, and I can't remember whether you were concierge level there. I know you were concierge level for the cruise. So how did I do, Joe? Not bad. I was at Beach, and yeah, it's tricky because I was at Yacht last month, um, and we will be doing a Yacht and Beach review eventually. I was at Beach Club, not club level at the Beach Club, was at Disney World for five nights, drove down to Miami. Um, was in Miami for one night, then picked up the cruise. Which cruise ship was it, Leslie? Do you know? Dream, maybe? Am I wrong? Hey, she Yay! got it. Yes. <laughs> one in a one in five chance. So yes, uh, I was on the Disney Dream, and like Leslie said, we did sail concierge for the first time in a one bedroom suite. A little bit more about that later. And yeah, I think you nailed it overall. It was ten nights away, and yeah, it was it was a pretty epic trip. It had us questioning our potential plans to go to Australia this summer. So we'll see how that turns out, uh, especially the first few days. But what we wanted to do is so there was a lot of wins and losses on this trip. A lot of good things that happened and bad things that happened, some in our control, some out of control. And so I thought that would be a good way to frame just this trip report and how things went. And then, like I said, there's going to be a lot of information that we have for you about how to make your trips better in the future, in future episodes. Um, but I think this trip report should be interesting. And if uh, you're a patron of our Patreon and I repeat anything I said in the last 80 minutes of bonus content, I apologize. But uh, it was all quite a b bit of a blur. So the first win was staying at Yacht and Beach Club. We were at Beach for this. Leslie, you want to give us a quick rundown of Yacht and Beach Club pros? Sure. So pros, I mean, it's always been location because you're within walking distance of both the International Gateway entrance to Epcot and Hollywood Studios. And now, you know, in the last couple of years, the Skyliner Station is right there as well. So you can really um, very quickly get to a lot of places and then you can walk to Boardwalk and, you know, do the activities there and the, the dining there. So there's just a lot happening in that hub. And the rooms are pretty recently renovated. I mean, that, I guess that's kind of true now at this point of a lot of of the Disney hotels, but they both got a pretty big renovation right before the pandemic. So I, I like the layout of, of those rooms. I'm pretty sure I like, I can't remember if it's yacht better than beach or beach better than yacht, but I'm gonna have to go check my notes. But one of them has a closing door. Did you have a, a sliding door to the bathroom, Joe? That's the one I like better. No sliding door to the bathroom. And I do think that uh, yacht is, I, I like the rooms at yacht better overall because it's hardwood flooring and not the carpet like i feel like beach 
it feels like it was re refurbished more recently than it was, but it actually feels a little dated, the carpet. I do not love having carpet on the floors. But overall, both hotels are great, and they share a pool, Stormalong Bay, huge hit. Um, for my kids. So they just completely loved it. Um, spent almost every single afternoon there. Our last morning before we went to Miami, we spent at the pool. It was just home run of a pool. Best pool on Disney property, as most people say. And I think there's a reason why it's the only pool where they issue you a wristband to make sure that you are able to go there. Uh, another win for the beach club that I didn't expect and even gives maybe the beach club a bit of an edge over yacht even though i like the rooms better at yacht it's like two to three minutes closer to walking to epcot but then also compared to boardwalk which i prefer boardwalk overall as a resort but compared to boardwalk it's like another like boardwalk is like five or six minute longer of a walk that two to three minutes actually really did add up over time especially with a five-year-old in tow and a seven-year-old who's like getting tired i was reflecting with my wife about it after and even though they're essentially in the same place. Everything's all around Crescent Lake. Beach Club felt closer to Epcot, and I think it just helped us overall with the feeling. And also where our room was, we could walk straight out onto, like we didn't have to cut through the lobby or anything. So really ideal. We had a nice water view room as well that worked really well with a full balcony. They don't all have full balconies. So overall, huge win staying at Yacht and Beach Club. Now, uh, the loss, Leslie. <laughs> uh you may recall, uh, you know, we just recorded an episode about 12 things I learned from my January trip. Well, I didn't learn, Leslie. What did I not learn? And I, I talked to you about this, so I know you know what happened here. <laughs> you learned that you basically can't fly JetBlue to Orlando right now because it goes into the new Terminal C, which is a disaster when you're renting a car. Right, Joe? <laughs> yes. So I can fly JetBlue, but I cannot fly JetBlue and rent a car. It was a long 30-minute walk back to Terminal B for the rental cars. Picked up our stroller from Orlando Stroller Rentals. Thank you again, Shannon, for giving us a stroller to use. Everything was going well, but because it was the Friday of the weekend where everyone has President's Day and Mardi Gras off, so it was like you know a blue moon there, there were no cars. Had to wait an hour to get my car at Hertz. Needed the car for our eventual drive to Miami. So this is like normally when I rent a car at Walt Disney World, it is surplus to requirement. This time I actually had a reason for it, but completely backfired. Did not get to Beach Club until like 11, 11.30. We landed at like 9. So that was pretty brutal. Huge L that we took there. Now the next win that we had, I guess it was kind of a win, we applied for Disability Access Service, DAS. We have an old episode about that that you can check out um, for my wife because she has been going through some stuff and was not going to be able to stand in line. Leslie, can you run us through really quickly how DAS typically works? You know better than I, Joe, at this point, but you can pre-enroll in it now, which is, the, I guess, the big development at Disney Parks. And you can make these reserve times to go to a couple of rides. It's basically like a Genie Plus in a way that you could make these reservations and return to a couple of rides and you're going in through the lightning lane so that you're not standing for a long period of time. Like it's really meant for folks who cannot 
stand for long periods of time. Like a lot of people I know who have kids on the autism spectrum use it, things like that. It's not necessarily for people who are just in a wheelchair because those folks can often transfer and they can be in the wheelchair in line. So something to keep in mind. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people use it instead of Genie Plus if they're eligible because it works in a lot of the same ways, right? Right. And we'll get to why that was not a strategy that was going to work this week, uh, or actually there's a couple of reasons why that wasn't going to work. But we applied for DAS for my wife. Um, she was approved. I wasn't totally sure if she was going to be approved or not. And I was like, you know, I wasn't going to push, but um, they asked a couple of questions. They were like, okay. And then, like you said, we pre-booked a couple of rides, two rides per park. And that was based on the park reservations that we had at the time that we booked them. And then when you enter the park, you can choose one attraction and whatever the wait time for that attraction is at that point, you basically get a return time for, it's like that time. If it's 60 minutes, you get a return time for like 50 minutes later or something like that. And then at that point, you can enter the lightning lane at any time. The person who qualifies for DS has to go first and then the rest of the party can go through. And I think you can, I mean, our family of five didn't have a problem. I think you can get up to seven or eight people on DAS. Don't quote me on that, but it's, it's larger than the number that our family had. That process mostly worked smoothly. Um, it did get us out of paying for a couple of individual lightning lanes, most notably Flight of Passage and Rise of the Resistance did not take the place of Genie Plus on this trip. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but did want to share my experience that DAS was pretty smooth overall. I will say though, that, um, the lightning lanes were not lightning lanes. Uh, but I guess, you know what? We'll save that for one of the L's. All right. Oh, didn't even read the agenda. Leslie, the L's, the next L was huge crowds. There is empirical data that this is, uh, one of the biggest crowds in 2023, maybe since reopening. Leslie, and why is that? It was the combination of the President's Week holiday falling at the same time as Mardi Gras. So you get a lot of folks who get the Mardi Gras holiday that are close to Florida. And I mean, not so much of an issue out here in California. We don't really do Mardi Gras so much. But and then you also have everybody getting the either the long weekend for President's Day or a lot of folks do get the full week. It's sort of like a, a ski week break for a lot of school systems. And we do have that out here in California. So that's an issue for, for us as well. So it was just the perfect storm. And um, I mean, we had been warned, you had been warned. I know everybody was talking about how bad it was going to be, but did it turn out to be worse than, than you could have even imagined? I mean, it was definitely like the worst crowds that I've experienced with my family ever, maybe the worst crowds I've experienced period at Walt Disney world. Definitely the worst crowds I've seen since the pandemic. Like at times, you know, I think rise of the resistance was running at like two forty minutes posted at some point. And you could see like every, I guess this is the way to say it. Every single lightning lane had a cast member standing outside the lightning lane, holding up a sign saying lightning lane begins here which means that you had to wait in line to get in the landing lane. And then of course, once you got in the landing lane, it had to go a little further. So whether it's DAS, Genie Plus, Rider Switch, whatever, like those lightning lanes, you know, sometimes they back up like 10, a couple families, right? Right, 10, 15 deep. These lines were, uh, the first lightning lane that we used was uh, at Magic Kingdom was Peter Pan and it was backed up all the way to Mickey's Magic. So if you can picture how far that is, in your head if you've been to magic kingdom before it's pretty far you know, that line's probably like 100 150 people 
deep. And the other thing that proved that it was uh, the worst crowds ever is for the first time ever at Walt Disney World, Leslie. Genie Plus sold out. But you made crazy. it in time. How many days was it during during your vacation that it sold out? It was sold out two days. And okay. those are the two days that I bought Genie Plus, actually. And so it was the max price, same price we saw over the Christmas holiday, $29 per person and i ended up after that first day using das i was like this is like my kids are going to want to go on more rides and the other thing i found was my wife doesn't want to go on every ride like she was not at 100 percent. like she was not going to be able to do all the attractions that we wanted and i'm not trying to like cheat the system or something and use her magic band when she's not going and so i i only want to use das for the rides that she's actually going to go on and so i found that first day like we were as a family putting pressure on her to ride with us because she was, you know, the DAS golden ticket into the lightning lane. On Sunday of President's weekend and Monday, when it, Genie Plus was $29, I was like, you know what? I don't want to put that pressure on her. I don't want to put that pressure on my family. Also, the family doesn't always want to, all five of us don't always want to ride the same attraction. So I bought Genie Plus for both of those days, which is a win. Um, you know, I think. It was expensive, but definitely it made our touring a lot easier. Um, we were able to, you know, what we would do is we would like book an attraction on Genie Plus, then book an attraction with DAS and like we would alternate. We were still waiting in a ton of lines because the lightning lanes were long themselves. And the DS return times, like I said, sometimes are like one, two hours long. So they weren't returning quickly. And you can only hold one DAS return time at a time outside of your pre-selected. But um, it worked out a lot better. And then also with Genie Plus, we were able to split up like myself and my two older kids booked Big Thunder Mountain, whereas my wife and my youngest daughter booked Enchanted Tales with Belle. And we were able to split up as a family and do what people wanted to do. So I think having Genie Plus and we're going to do a whole episode about my experience with dealing with Disney when it's at the highest crowds and how you can make your experience better. Um, that should be the next episode that we release and do on this trip, but that really helped things. I just, if we didn't have genie plus, we probably would have gone on like three rides a day, just at the pace that we were going at. Yeah, definitely very necessary. I'm curious, did you buy it at midnight? Did you stay up both nights um, beforehand and how quickly did it, actually sell out like was it at 7 a.m or soon thereafter no it sold out around lunchtime both days i think the first tweet i saw about it was 1 p.m on sunday and then maybe it was a little bit earlier on monday of president's day um i did buy it before 6 55 a.m my 6 55 a.m alarm but i remember the first night i woke up in a haze at 5 a.m and i was like that's that's when i came to the conclusion i was like you know what i'm not gonna push jess to do everything. And if I get Genie Plus, you know, that's going to give us a way to ride attractions without pushing her. Um, and so like at 5 a.m. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just buy it now. And then I went back to bed and uh, woke up again at 6.55 to book my first Lightning Lane. So that worked well, but we would have bought it in time before it sold out anyway. So it just sold out. Like I think people were like finding that it was too busy and buying it. And that's why it eventually sold out. That's crazy though to me. I mean, don't folks be the person buying Genie Plus at noon because <laughs> you have missed out on several ride opportunities at that point. I mean, at that point, a lot of the rides themselves, I'm sure, were out of lightning lanes for the day. So not ideal, not yeah. ideal. It's like a reverse sunk cost or sunk time cost that you're never going to get back, regardless of whether you pay for it or not. 
Now, the next L, it's mostly an L, but dining is like so expensive, Leslie. Because it was so crowded and we did have a lot of table service dining reservations, I ended up using a lot of them. Man, Leslie, it was it was a lot of money. We were easily spending $450, $500 a day. Like if we did two table service per day, um, we didn't do it every day. But like on days where we did two table service, it was $450, $500 per day. And I didn't even pay enough, Leslie, because... Because you forgot you have a 10-year-old who's now an adult. <laughs> and so you were paying kids meal prices. Joe, hacking <laughs> the so system unintentionally. <laughs> it was a huge L for me. Like the last night we were at Disney World, I was in the shower and I was like, oh my gosh, she's 10 years old. Like we've been paying the night. I've been marking her as a child. Like, cause when you check in on the app and I just been like doing two adults, three kids, like checking her in on the app, like not even thinking about it. And then that last night, I promise you, Disney, if you're listening, okay, I was not trying to hack your system. I was, I, I like realized that I actually have a Disney adult and I should have been paying three adults, two kids this entire time. We did go to Cape May Cafe on the last morning for breakfast. And so I did mark her as an adult as I should have been doing the whole entire time. So it was like $450, $500 for two table service per day. And it should have been even more. So table service dining is really expensive. It worked for this trip because it was so crowded, because we had to go at a slower pace because of my wife. And this was a chance for us to spend together as a family. But typically I recommend doing one table service max per day and I completely stand by that. That's probably more in the budget for everyone. And it's also too much food. Even if you're meeting characters, having good experiences, Space 220, whatever, whatever. It's just too much food and you don't need to pay that much. The dining card for the summer promo that Disney has, that's going to help. But that's not going to help that much. If you say 10 nights at a moderate, that's $1,000. That's four table service meals for a family of five. So be careful with how many table service dining you book. Yeah. Totally agree. It's gotten very expensive at restaurants everywhere, but no one does pricey like Disney when it comes to dining. <laughs> well, let's turn our attention to some other wins. Um, I hear you have uh, a little bit of a tour that was a big hit. Yeah, so we did the Up Close with Rhinos tour at Animal Kingdom. It was about an hour long, and that tour was a lot of fun. We got to pet a baby rhino. It was really cute, very educational. The cast members who take care of the rhinos are great. We got to for, and I do remember saying this on a Patreon update for like Disney nerds. It was like so much fun being backstage. And Leslie, I know you've been backstage before as well. And just seeing how things work back there. And the greatest thing that I saw was they were giving out free snow cones to cast members that day. And it was, it was just nice to see cast members hanging out back there. Uh, and one thing I didn't say on the Patreon updates was um, one of the African drumming bands. When we started the tour, they were going off on break. And so they were like drumming as we were walking into the backstage area. They were like walking alongside us drumming. And then as soon as like, they crossed that barrier, I wouldn't say they completely broke character, but you know, they were, they were off. So they were like reverting to themselves and they were like just saying hello to us and stuff like that. And then when we came back, they were going off shift again. So on our way out, they were also coming back to the break area. So it's just fun to see um, cast members. I don't mind having that magic broken. So Up Closer with Rhinos was an excellent tour. Um, definitely worth it. Now, the next L was um, probably like the most serious thing that happened on our trip. And just want to share about it in case anyone has a similar experience. At some point, like one of the things that was slowing my wife down was she was having sharp pains in her abdomen on the right side. And we recently had a trip 
postponed because we had a family member, you know, have appendicitis. And so that's on the right side. So we were like really paranoid about like, uh, we do not want anyone to have appendicitis on a ship. And so, because we were going on a cruise later. And so we were debating, like, should we go check it out at um, a clinic? And then I'd remember that a friend of mine, Brittany, Play Party Plan, um, who you should follow on Instagram, had recently used a medical concierge. So I got the info from her. I'll put it in the show notes. I don't remember the name of the group off the top of my head. And we had them come in to check my wife out um, to make sure, you know, it wasn't appendicitis, which it wasn't. Um, we're, you know, here talking about this entire trip. Um, and so it was $300, which actually was a little bit cheaper than I thought it was going to be. Um, but the peace of mind to be able to do that. So it was a L that we were dealing with that, like the whole time we were at Disney, but also a win in the end that she didn't have anything serious going on. Um, and it was also good to know, and it makes sense, right? Like at Walt Disney world, people are going to get sick and, you know, it's good to know that someone can come to your room because we were like, ah, oh, I can't, I, I just cannot take the three kids to the emergency room and just have them sit around. And I'm also not going to, you know, just in case it is serious, like I'm not going to leave my wife in the emergency room by herself for hours. Yeah. I'm glad that worked out. And $300 for a physician to visit your hotel room does not shock my conscience. I mean, it's obviously not a, a charge that folks are going to have to incur every vacation. Hopefully it's a once or twice in a lifetime on a trip kind of thing that you need to make use of. And I'm glad that you have the name of it. And I'm going to be writing it down and putting it in my phone for future vacations. Yeah. And we're going to submit it to insurance. We'll see what happens with that. And who knows? I mean, even if they cover like $50 of it, that would be um, pretty cool. Now, this L was not only a W because my wife was okay, but it turned into a huge W, Leslie. And I remember texting you about this because she was cleared at like 9.15 p.m. At 9.20 p.m., I looked at my phone and it said that there was a bus coming to the Magic Kingdom at 9.25. I might be getting my times off by a little bit. And so at 9.21 p.m., I was like, hey, since you're okay, what if I take our older kids to Magic Kingdom ex extended evening hours? And so at 9.22 p.m., everyone got dressed, even though we were like about to go to bed. And I was like, hey, do you want to go to Magic Kingdom for a couple hours? And so 9.25 p.m., we caught that bus. We're back in our room by 12.30 a.m. because the park actually closed at 11 p.m. and extended evening hours for, from 11 to 1. And those kids... They did it. They got their first. They had been like dying to go on Space Mountain the entire time. We were, it, it went down the day we were going to do it, which turned into multi experience pass, which ended up working out very well for us. But they really wanted to do it. We did not have Genie Plus the day that we did this, but nine attractions in three hours, including travel time and security and all that on the bus, on the Disney bus. Got very lucky with our return bus. It was there when we came back. Waited only 15 minutes for Space Mountain. Everything else was pretty much a walk-on that we did. It was amazing. Even if we hadn't had extended evening hours, the lines from 9.45 to 11 were very low already. But with extending evening hours, it was a great night. Um, really saved a lot of the touring aspects of the trip that had gone pretty rough before. Yeah, you guys really knocked it out of the park. I had the same schedule when I was there in January where the evening hours were from 11 until 1, and I pretty much closed the park down. And I found, you know, for folks who really can stay late, between midnight and 1, everything is a walk-on. I mean, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, we could have just done 
10 times in a row if we had wanted to with the way things things were but it was busy for a little bit busy still at 11 11 30 and then at midnight it fell off but that's a long time to keep like a seven and a ten year old awake but you guys really did really did kill it and I think that definitely argues in favor of these deluxe resort stays at busy times because that's when you're able to maximize um, the most yeah I agree. Um, and one reason I knew I could keep them out late is because I knew the next day we were just going to relax, go to the pool, did go to Cape May Cafe with my newly minted adult, as I had mentioned already. And then we were going to drive to Miami, which huge L, not because there was any better way to get there, but driving to Miami. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. It was like four hours of misery, nothing to see, you know, except for turkey vultures everywhere. Um, and you pass by a big dump where there's like hundreds of turkey vultures flying around. My daughter's really into birds. That's why I know the uh, species of every single bird that we see. It was just just a tough drive. And then when we got to Miami itself, the traffic was horrible. Um, even though we used the express lanes, which is a good tip from Christy from Pack Your Pixie Dust slash DCL podcast. She was like, when you get close to Miami, take the express lanes. That worked out well. But the Miami city proper, we were staying at the Hyatt Regency Miami, who treated us very well. By the way, um, we'll probably talk about that somewhere else. Oh, Miami, traffic, terrible. Big L. Had to Rough. do it, though. The bright line's not open yet. Rough, but you set up your segue into your next win. On the, you you got to look at these notes, Joe. <laughs> Hyatt Regency, Miami. It was a win, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, turns out the place where I'm going to talk about uh, the Hyatt Regency, Miami, is right here. Two minutes after I said I was going to talk about it somewhere else. Yeah, the Hyatt Regency, Miami was great. I should note that I'm a globalist with Hyatt. But I contacted the general manager beforehand. They were super nice. They reached out to us and were like, hey, what snacks would your kids like? And so they like gave us some snacks. And the real like clutch thing that they did was there's a ride share called Alto, which I had not heard of. But it's like Uber and Lyft, except for Alto, the employees are salaried. So it's not like... Like you and I can't just go drive for them randomly. We have to apply and work for them and we'll, we would get paid a salary and Alto provides the car. So I was talking to our driver, they pick up the car, drive whoever they drive, do their shift, come back. Anyway, Hyatt Regency Miami provided us a voucher for an Alto to get to the port. Um, so we didn't even have to worry about our cruise port transfer. So huge shout out to them, to Paul and to Dalton who uh, contacted us before our trip. I'm really thankful for all that, which leads into the next win. I think even smoother than that sailing Disney cruise line concierge. And obviously we're going to do a review on Disney cruise line concierge in the future, but boarding and debarking as a concierge guest was like, it was about 30, 40% more expensive than we would have paid. Otherwise I would say like 25% of that 30 to 40% is just how easy boarding and getting off was like, you're the, you're the first one to board. It's like super easy. You know, you're in a separate, they call it a lounge. It's just a different room in the terminal where you wait before you board, but you get on board. Like we were like the fifth or sixth family on board. That was super easy. And then if you're in concierge, they have lunch separate for you in a separate dining room so there was none of the stress that's like when we first went on the dream the first time my wife absolutely hated it because we went up to cabanas there was like a million people there she was like super stressed out our kids were like in their bathing suits we never do that anymore like don't swim on the first day and it was just crazy and so just being able to do that and be more relaxed our room was ready when lunch was done that was amazing uh if you don't want to pay all that money i would always recommend just board the ship at 1 30 or 2 
then you can go straight to your room. Yeah, Leslie, when you're going in April, just board at one thirty or two. Then you can go straight to your room, and you don't have to deal with all that mess. You know, you know, you can pick up food uh, on the way to the port or whatever. And debarking was awesome as well. We didn't have to wait in line. They kind of cut you to the front of the security line. So that was a great benefit of concierge and concierge overall. We'll do a review on it, but huge splurge, but uh, definitely worth it in a lot of ways. All right. Well, let's transition to the next loss. You're traveling with kids and you're going to forget stuff. Would you forget this trip? Oh my gosh. Uh, Another reason why we ended up needing the rental car, big L parenting L forgot my daughter's EpiPen She's not like severely, severely allergic, but that's definitely something we wanted to get the first two or three days of the trip and have it on the ship. So had to drive to a CVS, a random CVS in Kissimmee to pick up an EpiPen. Um, So Kissimmee? Kissimmee. You know what? My kids pronounce things phonetically and they got it. They got it stuck in my head. Kissimmee. Apologies. So picked up the EpiPen. That was what we forgot from home. And then we also lost some stuff along the way. We lost two sun hats, which is so annoying. It's like the worst thing to lose because you can buy sunscreen and know that you're going to use it. But we ended up having to, we weren't planning to get off the ship at Nassau, but we got off to just go to these tourist trap stores to like buy hats, which it's not even a good selection. So we didn't even get hats that like the kids like. Right. But we had to get sun hats for them um, because they were going to cast away key the next day. Um, and then I also lost my headphones uh, like that. I use all the time when I'm like calling Disney and on hold for hours and hours. And so I those should be coming from Amazon today. I had to replace those immediately. Um, so those are three things that we lost along the way on the trip. It's going to happen. They're, they're like three of the worst things to lose, though. Like, I wish we had forgotten, like, I don't know, sunscreen or a hairbrush or ah anyway it happens it does it's par for the course all right well uh let's talk about your experience on the ship i take it that was a win and you guys kind of did a little bit of a cruise to nowhere i mean you guys did stop in nassau and castaway key and and that's kind of what we have coming up as well um you know we're going my trip is going to be to cabo and to mazatlan but those are places that we go often so it's a little bit of a cruise to nowhere so curious how your experience was Yeah, we were all about just relaxing on the ship. You know, the whole idea of a Disney land and sea vacation, in my mind, if you set it up ideally, you go to Disney World first, you're exhausted, which we definitely were because of the crowds and because of how everything was. And then you get on a cruise and you do nothing but relax. You know, you do as little as you want to do. And that's exactly what we did. We had two de facto sea days. One was an actual sea day. The other was Nassau, where only my wife and I got off to buy the aforementioned hats and to do some Pikmin bloom. Other than that, we were just chilling and relaxing like the whole time we had some friends on the cruise. So we hung out with them sometimes. I was like shocked by the way, about how much stuff they did. My friend's wife, uh, or I guess she's also my friend as well, got every single character autograph that she wanted. She got like 16 autographs you know her book was full and i was like when did you do this we were like hanging out for most of the cruise like i have no idea when she did this the only reason why i found out is because we were having palo brunch one day and we told them we needed to be done in an hour we ended up eating for like three hours so for 20 minutes in that brunch she cut out to go get stitches autographs he was the last one that she needed and uh palo brunch by the way they 
like did not serve her food until she came back. They're like, we're going to wait till she comes back. And I hate to say this, but I'm pretty sure they like prepared a new one for her. Ah, so wasteful, but that's what they do uh, on the cruises. And so we just relaxed brunch, watch movies. I watched Ant-Man. I had to like watch it over two different sessions, but that was fine. You know, they kept showing it. We watched the shows. My daughter really loved Beauty and the Beast. The kids really love Midship Detective Agency, which is only on the new ships. So um, unfortunately, you're not going to have it on the Wonder, but it's kind of like a scavenger hunt fun thing to do. Yeah, it was just super relaxing. And we also rented a cabana at Castaway Key, which we were able to do because as concierge, we were able to get in early and book it before everyone else did. And that was super relaxing. Just the nine of us, my family and my friend's family um, in a space like the beach was super quiet. My daughter and son managed to get stung by jellyfish, not jellyfish, but like jellyfish tentacles like left over but it wasn't bad enough that was like the first thing that happened to them but it wasn't bad enough to dampen the rest of the day like they were fine within like half an hour and so it was really great to just relax the whole time i felt so refreshed at the end of the whole cruise and it really it does getting to miami was stressful <laughs> or not stressful but like extra tiredness that did not necessarily need to happen but the cruise itself getting to relax on that huge win that's fantastic it really did sound like a, a- Great cruise vacation, and it has me excited for my own in, like, six weeks. Yeah, and one of the last wins that I'll talk about on the cruise, I already talked about adult dining. Oh, my wife and I also went to Remy, which was excellent. It was a It's a five-course meal with two separate menus, one prepared by the chef at Victoria and Albert's and one by a French chef. Both sets were excellent, and we had a lot of fun there. And like I said, we had fun with the friends at Paula Brunch. So definitely try the adult dining, especially if you're into – fine dining you should definitely go to paulo when you're on the wonder we had dinner there in alaska and that was awesome but probably like the most amazing things that happened um, were two character experiences that my kids had all three of them had separately the first was bell was holding court on a balcony inside the atrium and waving at people below and my daughter really wanted a picture the princess obsessed daughter um this is before she she went to Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique again. I'm not going to talk about that. Um, she's too obsessed, and I don't know where we went wrong, but uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, she wanted a picture with Belle, and so she was standing waiting. Belle's back was to us because she was waving. And then Belle turned around, and she went to, like, go – looked like she was going somewhere. Like looks like she had somewhere to be. So I was like, oh, sorry. I don't think Belle's taking pictures right now. And I guess Belle heard that because she's like – oh, do you want to take a picture? And then she took my daughter by the hand, took her back to the balcony, had my daughter hold court as well and wave down to the people before taking the pictures. So that was amazing. That bell in general was pretty amazing. I do not know why, Leslie, and I don't know if this is a thing, but she was hanging out in her um, town outfit, you know, the blue and white apron outfit. Like when people were boarding the dream, she was just like hanging out there and it looked like she was just like helping people figure out where to go. Like as if she was just cast member of bell working on the Disney dream, telling people where to go. It was like the most bizarre thing I'd ever seen. That is odd, but great for the princess loving five-year-old. I'm sure to have her present. Yeah. And she seemed like genuinely helpful as well. Like it's, she seemed like she was doing a great job directing people. Cause you know, like I said, that first morning is, I mean, afternoon when people get on, it's just crazy. And so she seemed to like really help to calm people down, direct them to where they need to go, help them figure out where they need to go. The other interaction I didn't get to see my 10 and seven year old, we let them run around, do midship dick. 
detective agency on their own. And they came back to the room after doing it and they're like, yeah, uh, Ariel hung out with us for a little while. And I was like, Ariel? And she, and they're like, yeah, I guess she was done meeting with people or signing autographs or whatever. And she just like hung out with us and came to a couple paintings and, you know, tried to help us solve the crime. And I was like, what? They're, like these two kids, like they are not the princess people. So they were like so nonchalant about it. They're just like, it was just like, you know, they're just like, oh yeah, our buddy Ariel was just hanging out with us. I, I was just like blown away. Like I still do not know exactly what happened. I was like, weren't there other people around? Like, did people follow her? And, she's, and they're like, yeah, a couple of people stopped to pay, take pictures, but you know, she just hung out with us for a couple of paintings. I was like, this is like so bizarre, but this is like only the stuff that happens on Disney Cruise Line. That's really special. Even though they didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> I think they did, but they didn't appreciate it that much. And I was like, part of me was like, um, is it because, you know, when you're a concierge, your card is gold. And I was like, oh, were they being extra nice because they saw that? But I didn't know for sure if they'd seen that. But then I was looking at our Facebook group. I always recommend you join the Facebook group of the cruise that you're going on. And I saw multiple posts with interactions that are like this, specifically with Belle. Not all those people were selling concierge as well. So again, I like I asked Christy about this and I was like, is this like something that happens? And she's like, it might be because they saw that you're a concierge, but also that stuff just happens on a Disney cruise ship. And then that made me think back to other character interactions we've had on Disney Cruise Line. And so just really wonderful, top-notch service, both from the characters, but also from the crew itself amazing all around Disney Cruise Line is still just a really great experience concierge or not totally sounds like a fantastic trip this has been an extra long episode because it was an extra long trip for you so uh, we're working on adding to the content pile but before we go Joe let's close it out with a traditional Disney do or don't okay I'll do two my first Disney do speaking of the amazing cast and crew on Disney Cruise Line bring extra cash for gratuities. Um, you will probably prepay or pay on the boat your gratuities. And they give you these little slips of paper that represent how much you're giving to your stateroom attendant and the people who work in dining. And for us, the concierge team as well. That being said, I feel like the work that they do is so amazing. And if you think about it, like they're just on the ship for like seven months, just working their entire contract. Like they get a two month break between contracts, like a mandated break, but it's like, they don't really get days off they get like hours off and so this cast and crew works so hard is so friendly is so hospitable really amazing a plus service and really can feel the disney difference bring some extra cash if you feel like your crew members have gone above and beyond so that you can slip it into those envelopes when you give them their tips um and then my disney don't is don't buy the photo package and then not take any pictures like we did <laughs> Which, uh, it's fine. We actually, I was like, if we get the photo package and get at least one photo that I can use in one of my Christmas cards, that'll be a win. We definitely got some potential candidates, so that's fine. But I left the ship with about 45 photos, whereas my friends, they also paid for the photo package, but like I told you, got every single character. <laughs> so they left with like 200 photos. And although I am a firm believer in the sunk cost fallacy. I think if you're going to get your photo package on Disney Cruise Line, maybe try to make it worth it. 45 isn't a complete fail. That's not, you know, you got some photos. So not bad when yes. you consider what the cost of, you know, professional photographer or just, you know, anybody getting your whole family in the shot is valuable. 
That's true. That's true. Although I am talking to um, the person whose Christmas card we are most impressed by every year. So I don't know. I, I either have to take it with a grain of salt or take that as a good encouragement, but we'll talk offline. <laughs> We have a friend who's a professional photographer, so credit to her. <laughs> it shows. It shows. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this extra long trip report. Like I said, we're going to be talking about how to deal with huge crowds, some of our dining experiences, Disney Cruise Line concierge, all that good stuff in future episodes. But thank you for indulging this trip report. This is the one big family trip of the year. So thank you again. Other than that, Leslie, thank you for taking the time to talk to me, and I'll see you trying not to have such an epic trip because I think both of us are just tired talking about it. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.